Hi, this is Nahum Siegel. Welcome to this week's edition of JM Rewind, where we get an opportunity to revisit some of the interesting conversations we've had on JM in the AM. Willie Hachman recently stopped by our Nahum Siegel Network studios, and we spoke with him during JM in the AM about employment in the Jewish community. He's, of course, with the Joel Paul Group. He spoke from the perspective of the organizations, the not-for-profits out there, and from the perspective of the candidates, the people who can fill positions that are uh, available out there. We had this conversation recently at JM and the AM. It's Willie Hachman on JM Rewind right here at the Nahum Siegel Network. Uh, Willie Hachman is in our studio. He is chief executive officer at the Joel Paul Group, and uh, it's based in uh, Midtown Manhattan. There's a website, joelpaul.com. We'll explain to our audience exactly what they do and why. You're wondering how Rex Tillerson was chosen as Secretary of State designate. I'm assuming that the Joel Paul Group had something to do with it. Willie Hochman, welcome back to JM in the AM. Good morning, Nachman. Thanks for having me on. Um, I will reserve political comments for another show. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, what I was assuming, frankly, was that when Donald Trump and his staff wanted to begin the search for a Secretary of State, I was just assuming it began with the Joel Paul group. Am I mistaken in this case? Well, Jared and I might have had a conversation, <laughs> but again... Um, <laughs> You'll reserve all comments. I'll right? reserve all comments uh, for a president-elect might uh, not be appreciative of my discussing this on air. Oh, so you, <laughs> you, you might be more involved than I thought. So as we analyze the uh, appointment or the uh, nomination of Rex Tillerson, we will keep you in mind. All right, uh, the Joel Paul group, well-known... For a long, long time in our community when it comes to the area of uh, employment and opportunities out there. And uh, there's so many things we need to discuss this morning and so many things that I think will be very helpful to a lot of people in the audience. The first is that, and I don't know if this is unique or not for an executive search firm, for a firm like yours, but um, you you essentially handle both sides of the employment picture. You You are approached constantly by candidates who are looking for employment as uh, as executives and different uh, uh, positions, which you'll explain exactly what those positions are like in a moment. And at the same time, you're representing organizations and companies that are looking for high quality people. So you're sort of you're you're, you're sort of meeting with but with both sides of the uh, employment spectrum on a constant basis. That's exactly right, Nachum. Actually, when people ask me what's more important to your business, the client or the candidate, right. you know, some people think it's you know eighty twenty. Some number like that. It's really 5149. What I mean by that is without a client to place someone, I can have as many candidates in my roster or many candidates calling me, but I can't place them. Right. But once I get that, once we get that client, if I don't have a roster of candidates and a whole process to present to that client, our reputation is at, is at risk. Right. So we need both sides. You know, in our community, we're, we're probably, you know, the word I would use is we're a shadchan. Right. You know, we match the, yeah, the client people, people and the get, candidate. People get that reference, right? Right, exactly. Um, well, people are wondering, and I'm sure uh, uh, members of this audience are wondering, what is the employment picture like right now? I mean, uh, would we call it a dry one, an active one? How would you classify it? Um, so the world and the sector that the Joel Paul Group uh, works in is the nonprofit world. Right. Um, we've... Looked at the corporate world, but right now we're, we're staying in the nonprofit world. So we service clients who are, like you said, organizations or academic institutions, 
uh, whether they, in the academic side, be heads of school, principals, but especially the business side. Mm -hmm. So in the organizational world, um, there's always a need for fundraisers, uh, development uh, professionals titled by those titles, because that is the the blood and the, the guts, if you will, of an organization. They need to raise funds in order to enhance their mission and produce results. So those positions are hopefully always uh, available. The question is, are there candidates available of relevance to the organization? Other positions, none of them are are, are seasonal or cyclical other than the academic sector, which is based on the school year for principals and heads of school. So right now, um, I would have to say, other than it being pre-Hanukkah and year-end, where things do slow down just due to vacations Mm -hmm. and year-end, focusing on raising funds for year-end fiscal year, it's a constant, uh, thank God, uh, need to place people and organizations are looking. All right, Willie Hochman is here from the Joel Paul Group. Even though you're involved with academics, as you just described, the world of academics, you're not placing teachers. You're not not doing that kind of thing. That's correct. You Uh, are placing executives, directors of development. You're looking for heads of school. Must be a very active uh, category right now because I would, I mean, just from what I know, there are a bunch of uh, heads of school positions around this country that are available now. Yeah, so it's interesting. Um, I don't want to say we, 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 we have competition, and most of the time the competition is not another search firm as much as it is the institution, meaning the school or an organization itself, right. who decides to look on their own. Right. Of course, and I give, I give um, you know, credit to other uh, companies that do place and work in the school world, and uh, thank God there is enough to go around. Um, we find more uh, of opportunities outside the tri-state area where um, schools and professionals and board members don't know as many people. And as much as social media is out there, they tend to come to a search firm for help. And whether that's in California, St. Louis, just to pick on, mm-hmm. you know, San Antonio, Texas, which we did, and other and other places, Washington, D.C., uh, the tri-state area sort of, uses our assistance, but could also work uh, by itself. Well, that is, that's really my question. Um, uh, schools that are looking to fill a position like that, that are in the New York area, are they missing out by not being in touch with you? <laughs> I have to say, I, I think so. You will bring candidates to them they will not find otherwise. I would think so, um, because it depends on what their uh, profile is for the candidate. Right. Somebody who might be out of town for several years, but let's say, worked initially or grew up initially in the tri-state area, knows the community, has the right, as we'll say, hashkafa for that school and academic background, they might not do a national search. We're adept at doing national searches. Yeah, everybody around the country knows that you're the address. Um, How does it work in terms of uh, uh, the arrangement that schools and organizations have to make with you? Do they hire you? as an exclusive, like on retainer, where you're essentially doing their entire search? Are there other arrangements that can be made? So we have several different uh, modes of uh, arrangements. All of our place, all of our contracts are with our client. We never take money from a candidate. Right. Uh, the money, our client is the one who pays us. And our arrangements range from what we'll I'll explain the three different method, uh, uh, sectors, contingency, retained, and retingency. A contingency basically means returning client doesn't give us any money up front. We know them. They know us. We've been successful. We are the exclusive search firm. Mm -hmm. That's the only thing we request. But if they, being a board member or a professional on staff, knows someone and brings that someone to the table, we don't get paid. Right. So we take that risk. But 
most organizations that come to us, they have their day jobs. Mm-hmm. They do what they do, and they really rely on us, and you know, we trust that it works. But there are some times where my, my, my staff works you know, really on commission in the sales world, and if that contingency model happens, they worked and they don't really get anything. So we've adapted 99% of our, our contracts are retingency, which is a little money up front and a contingency oppor- opportunity where they can still search on their own, but they showed skin in the game and seriousness. So organ- I'm sorry. That's right. And then there are those organizations that we require and they understand a true retained search because it's very senior right. and we spend a lot of time on it. And that is a true retained search where we do everything. And even if they recommend somebody, that candidate goes through our vetting process, and that works for the organization because sometimes a relative of a board member or a friend that you know wants to be put through and someone on the search committee doesn't want to say, no, they're not really relevant, we do the process, we, we give them our report, and most times they're right, that person is not the ideal profile. It's America's one and only Jewish Moments in the Morning Radio program, heard on listeners' sponsored digital radio, heard around the world at com, the NSN Network, and of course, the NSN app. We're speaking with Willie Hochman, the Joel Paul Group, executive search firm, and uh, a lot of growth opportunities in the Jewish world, and they are at the forefront of all of them, it seems. Have you ever found a candidate who did not realize that he or she would be a good director of development, but you said, you know what, you have the skills to actually do this job? So mo- the traditional uh, approach for directors of development from our client's perspective is a man or a woman that's kind of grown up and been employed in the nonprofit world, might have started in different departments in marketing, communication, special events, got an opportunity to move into development, and that's the straight arrow career that they're now in, have been in development in a smaller organization, medium-sized, and they're moving up in their career. What's uh, come to light in the last couple of years is the open-mindedness of several of our clients and several organizations out there is to look at what we call the transition candidate. Someone who's been in corporate America. Right. Someone who's been in sales. Mm-hmm. However, not everybody in sales is going to make a good nonprofit director of development or development professional. Right. What they need on their resume is lay leadership experience. For example, they are on their federation, synagogue, schools, fundraising committee. Mm-hmm. They've worked in soliciting their constituency out in the, in the world that they're in so that they understand fundraising and they've got the right personality. So, so has that happened? Oh, yes. Where, yeah. where you've actually educated the the candidate to realize that they've got the skills to move into that type of position? Yes. It, I will say it's rare. It's not the norm. Right. Because uh, there are, thank God, there are never enough uh, right. development professionals out there, but there are the true and tried development professionals. So from our client's perspective, they would rather choose the straight and narrow road than look at something, not out of the box totally, but something right. with that... Uh, with with that combination of for-profit and non-profit. All right, Willie Hochman is here. L- let's do some practical stuff here. People are listening right now. They want to know if theirs is a resume that you and your staff would look at. So we know if they're a teacher or, or a position that, uh, you know, on that level, so to speak, that's not something that you're interested in. That's not what your company does. Uh, if they are a potential candidate for development, for an executive director position, Really, any type of what we would call what level job? Uh, so we, we, we executive define, level job? We would say middle to executive level job. Right. Um, it's not that we don't do those. If we're approached by a former client uh, to do something where they've struggled with, we will discuss with them any level. Um, there are so many different other opportunities out there, platforms, websites, 
for your entry level. Right. And, and again, it's a, just a business model, business decision that we, myself and my staff, have to work just as hard on a recent graduate, first job, second job opportunity. We, we, do, we would do the same thing in terms of meetings and interviews and process and due diligence than we do for an executive level job. Right. If I had a staff of 50 people. Great, we could do a lot. <laughs> Understood. All right, so but if someone is in the categories that we just described, they could get their resume to your staff and see if they're a potential candidate for some of the positions you have open. And yes. I would assume that 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 generally, right, there's no season for this, right? It's all year round. Correct. I would think generally you always have some open positions for people to consider, for people to speak about with you. Well, we're, we're very uh, transparent. All of the jobs from our clients are listed on our website under current searches. People, uh, potential candidates are... Welcome to look at those jobs and send us send us in their resume, understanding that hopefully that they've read the job description and they see that they're they are relevant. You can also send in your resume because we might have a future job in in, in, in coming down the road, and then we would contact you if relevant. Joelpaul.com is the website. Joelpaul.com or dial two one two five six four sixty five hundred two one two. Five six four sixty five hundred and Willie Hachman, the chief executive officer, is William at JoelPaul dot com. William at JoelPaul dot com. We spoke about those who have resumes and think they might be uh, a worthy candidate to be considered. Let's talk about the other side for a moment. There are organizational heads and uh, different people from organizations and schools who are listening right now, and they might feel, hey, you know, we've been searching, we've been looking, we've been considering, you know, filling a certain position. This might be a perfect match. How do they uh, go ahead and uh, and meet with you to uh, get that going. Thank you. So um, we do our proactive marketing, but of course we welcome uh, reactive uh, inquiries from either search committees, board members, or the number one professional who might be looking uh, to add to their staff. Um, same contact information. Right. Uh, and then if they're local, uh, one of my, myself or my president, Mr. Joel Paul, would meet with them. If they're uh, a outside the tri-state area, thank God we can use technology and we would do a Skype discussion with them and really talk to them about how we do our process and align with them on the opportunity and the job. And the, what's very important is the ideal profile of a candidate, not only what's on the job description of responsibilities, but the fit and the personality are very important. It must irritate you somewhat when you see organizations take on their own searches, knowing that you potentially, because of the vast knowledge of what's going on, in all 50 states and beyond, because I assume there's some candidates in Europe and Israel as well that could potentially take jobs. When you say to yourself, you know, we've got the whole landscape, we've got the whole picture going, could really help this organization or school. Um, okay, irritate is a, a little strong <laughs> word, but, but you're, you're, you're baiting me into the discussion. And, of course, um, we don't sit still, even though if we see, and, again, I work very much, there's another job site I want to mention on the air called jewishjobs.com. A good one? Uh, yes, very good. Um, uh, it's, it's an amazing resource for entry level for sure. Right. And organizations do try to put their jobs on there first. You know, why spend thousands of dollars for, you know, through, through, uh, through our organization for a fee right. when they could put an, a, an ad up there for a couple of hundred dollars. But, again, putting an ad up, and this is what the Jewish Jobs Group tells me, uh, and hiring managers can attest to this, when they put an ad up for a job, They'll get between 60 and 80 resumes in the first two days. Mm. Good luck to the person who has to go through all those 60 or 80. And unfortunately, a lot of times, because candidates are just you know, downloading, clicking, and sending, right. 70 of the 80 are not really relevant to that job. Right. We do that job. We are the HR department 
of an organization that is medium-sized to small-sized, but we also work with large organizations who find that their HR department is really about intake, new candidates you know, being hired, and they want a professional outside firm to do the the search from start to finish. All right, Willie Hochman and his staff are uh, certainly willing to uh, meet with you as an organization or school uh, that wants to uh, pursue a uh, an important search, and I would think every uh, search for any company is important. And uh, certainly if you're a candidate out there, uh, especially when it comes to executive-level uh, jobs, uh, directors of development, executive directors, et cetera, et cetera, the Joel Paul Group wants to hear from you as well. The contact is uh, uh, the web address, William at JoelPaul.com, William at JoelPaul.com, where you could dial 212-564-6500, 212-564-6500. Willie, anything you'd like to add? So one thing I just would like to uh, address to the audience sure. uh, is the uh, potential growth of the Joel Paul Group. Uh, we, I am always looking for uh, adding to our staff. Uh, we feel we're leaving some business on the table. If we had more recruiters joining us, um, we could uh, service the uh, the community of the nonprofit organizations and academic uh, institutions. It's not a job for everyone, and I'll just be very uh, very straight here. If you are uh, able to withstand the commission uh, structure and commission payment, uh, meaning that you don't require a week to week, month to month salary, but uh, can live with being paid when you close a uh, a deal with a client and a candidate. This could be a very interesting opportunity for you. There's no requirement to have recruiting uh, background. Uh, there is a personality and fit, but if anyone is interested in discussing the opportunity to work with the Joel Paul Group, again, same contact information, and we'd be ha I'd be happy to talk to you. Phenomenal. Continued success to you and your group. And this time of year, I know there's a lot of searching going on. Some frustration among board members for schools and organizations, but hopefully all of them will come to a great resolution for their own school and organization. Thank Please, you. God. Uh, William at JoelPaul.com. You can check out the website, JoelPaul.com, and dial 212-564-6500. 212-564-6500. Willie Hachman is Chief Executive Officer at the Joel Paul Group. Appreciate you visiting us this morning. Thank you, Nachum, and continued Hatzlacha and growth to you, the Nachum Siegel Network, and JM and the AM. Thanks great. for having me. I greatly appreciate that. That was my conversation with Willie Hochman from the Joel Paul Group on a recent visit to a JM in the AM. Next up, Alan Fagan helped us inaugurate the Nahum Single Network New York studios. He was the very first in-studio guest we had, non-music guest that we had, uh, to discuss uh, the OU, its annual report, and so many of the incredible things that are emanating from the uh, OU office uh, in New York City. Uh, the effect they're having is uh, national and international and we had an opportunity to explore a lot of those subjects uh, here at the Nahum Siegel Network. So our JMAM visit by Alan Fagan of the Orthodox Union. That is next right here on this edition of JM Rewind. It is fitting to say the least that within the first week of our brand new uh, situation since our transition, uh, that Alan Fagan, Executive Vice President at the, uh, at the OU, uh, joins us live in studio in our New York City studios for this edition of JM and the AM. I have told the story many, many times, and I'm going to tell it again. Um, when we first started, and I'm talking about mid-1983, there were a handful, and not even a hand my size, a much smaller hand, a handful of people and organizations that felt there was tremendous promise and great hope 
for the effort that we had undertaken at that time, founding JM and the AM again in mid-1983. And among that small handful of people and organizations was, in fact, the OU and the leadership at that time. And I can tell you that on the Friday, we announced, I believe, September 20th was a, I don't remember what day of the week it was, uh, but that Friday, or the Friday before, as a courtesy to uh, Alan and everybody at the OU, uh, we informed uh, Alan what was happening in terms of our transition, in terms of our independence, in terms of what would be happening on December the 1st. And everybody, of course, has their reaction to the news uh, all across the spectrum, and his reaction was simple joy and um, and felt that we have even greater potential in this new situation. With that all having been said, I say good morning to Mr. Alan Fagan, who is here in our studio. Good morning, sir. Good morning, uh, Nachum. It's uh, wonderful to be here again, and uh, mazel tov on this really fantastic transition. Uh, like I say, from the moment you first heard about this, you have been so enthusiastic. Uh, you know there's nothing like independence. There's nothing like uh, like growing and continuing to move on to uh, the next project, so to speak. And for us, this is the next project. And uh, we're going to make you proud. We're going to make you proud as this worldwide audience grows and as this network continues to grow. And who knows what's going to be the next step. But I am I am committed to take this one day at a time. It's enticing to start thinking about months and years from now. But I'm committed to taking this one day at a time. I'm sure that would be advice you would give, right? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> so that's the situation. And by the way, seeing you, and it's been a while, uh, I recall the uh, the summer nights we spent together just a few months ago. Uh, it's no secret that the OU and NCSY have been uh, really the backbone of some of our great programming. And you and I simply <laughs> quelled and enjoyed Yom NCSY, and all of our broadcasts from Israel this summer. It's something that we hope to do again, please God, and everyone seems to be excited about it. Is there any way, even our video and our audio didn't do it justice, is there any way for you to convey to this audience what it's like to sit there at the amphitheater at Bar Ilan University? Well, uh, you know, having uh, been there, that it's almost impossible uh, to capture the magic of the moment. Uh, this uh, summer we had about 1,500 teens uh, in the stadium, <clears throat> and the most beautiful part of it was it was a microcosm of yeah. the Jewish people. Uh, we had hundreds of kids from public school backgrounds uh, who were, for the very first time in their lives, coming to Israel for the very first time in their lives, most of them learning Torah. Uh, and we had the most serious kids from yeshivas and day schools across the United States and Canada learning in our kolel, learning in our mechlelet program, and they were all together in one place singing and screaming <laughs> and yelling and being inspired uh, by this really magical uh, uh, evening. Uh, uh, to me, that's the essence of our mission. It's the essence of the Jewish people. It was an incredible musical event and a big advantage for leadership like yours because you had an opportunity to really show some of your lay leaders. You spoke to a lot of them at the event, you know, firsthand what you're able to accomplish. And boy, with the summer programs, it's a tremendous amount of accomplishment. It, it was just a remarkable uh, evening. Uh, our, our leadership uh, that was there uh, has provided really incredible support uh, to all of our programs, particularly. Uh, 
uh, our Ann Sampson uh, Teen Jerusalem journey, right. which brings about 500 public school kids uh, to Israel each summer in a very, very heavily subsidized uh, program to expose them to our land, to our people, to their Jewish identity, uh, for many of them for the very first time, and they come back absolutely transformed. Well, the summer ended, and it was on to the 5777 year. Are you happy so far with the way things are going at the OU during this current uh, Jewish year? I'm always happy. <laughs> Simple as that. Huh? <laughs> Simple as that. <laughs> uh, but a lot of new innovations or a lot of new direction? What would, how would you classify what's happening now at the OU? We, we are in a, uh, an enormous uh, growth mode. Uh, we are uh, about uh, to have a leadership change uh, in our uh, lay leadership. We'll hold our biannual, uh, biennial elections uh, in January. Oh, it's right around uh, the corner. Right around the corner. Uh, we will have a new incoming uh, administration. Uh, the new president will be uh, Moshe Bain, who has been a longtime lay leader. Uh, at the OU, uh, very distinguished uh, attorney, uh, and I think part of what's on uh, our agenda is not only to increase uh, the size and scope of our traditional OU programming, uh, but really now to begin to concentrate in, in a much more serious and a much more robust way uh, on, on dealing uh, with issues of personal relationship uh, to, to God, to Torah, to the way we daven, uh, and to begin to roll out uh, some significant programming uh, that we hope will help people uh, in their own personal quest uh, for greater uh, uh, religious identity. Uh, we're going to start that uh, at our uh, new, different uh, convention format uh, on January 15th at City Field. Yeah, a unique uh, venue and a unique event, and we'll talk about that in a moment. And kudos, as you mentioned all this, to both the outgoing and incoming administration. Each one, it seems to me, at least from this vantage point, brought its own strengths and its own ideas and innovation to the table, and that's only a good thing, right? Absolutely. We, we've been blessed uh, to have a really extraordinary base of lay leaders. The outgoing president, uh, Marty Nachumson, uh, from Los Angeles, uh, has been a really extraordinary and, and visionary uh, uh, leader. Uh, and we've been equally blessed uh, to have a very, very substantial group uh, of, uh, of supporters, uh, many of them tuned into particular aspects of what it is that the OU does, uh, whether it's Yahad uh, or NCSY uh, or our programs in Israel or any of the many, many other programs uh, uh, that we run. Uh, our advocacy efforts have mm. now been the beneficiaries of enormous support uh, from throughout the community that allows us to really accomplish what it is that we've been able to do. And that really takes a nationwide effort because we know advocacy is, uh, you know, every single state can be represented, every single state can play a role in all of that, and especially sometimes the more obscure you know, Jewish communities, and excuse the term, I don't want to insult anybody of it out there, but they can be involved in a way that uh, that we in the larger Jewish communities cannot and have the influence that sometimes we cannot. Yeah. So it's really a nationwide effort when it comes to advocacy. And you meant, and, and the, the way you're describing the incoming administration, it sounds like there's a, uh, a concentration on an area that you've done pretty well at uh, already, and that's spiritual growth, essentially. That, that's, you know, one of the focuses uh, going forward, and I don't think anybody can deny that you know, that there's been uh, a tremendous achievement already in that area at the OU. 
you know, we, we're, we're, we're proud of what we've done, uh, but there's so much more right. uh, uh, to do uh, uh, with our teens, with our collegiates, with post-collegiates, uh, and certainly with the adult uh, uh, community. Right. So much more that we can uh, do to help bring Torah not only into our communities in a much more deep uh, uh, way, uh, but to try to create a whole range of opportunities uh, for people to engage in serious learning uh, on subjects that interest them, uh, on things in which they really want to engage. I'm thinking, you know, uh, just as a uh, as an example, I'm thinking of what OU Press has done. I'm thinking of the Shurim Online. I'm thinking of Nachyomi. I'm thinking. I mean, if it, we can go through a whole list of things that you've already accomplished in this area. I can only imagine how much greater it's going to get. Yeah, look, you, there's probably few people in the world who understand better than you do uh, the power of the web. Right. Uh, <coughs> both and you've really utilized it. And, and we've utilized it uh, uh, enormously. We've put uh, enormous resources uh, into our web department, uh, now running Nachyomi, uh, Mishnah uh, Yomis, Halacha Yomis, uh, and our very, very popular uh, Dafyomi Shiurim right. uh, from Rabbi Rosner and uh, Rabbi Elephant are now uh, probably between them uh, uh, getting thousands uh, of regular listeners uh, each day. Right, plus the publications, the books, the, the, the Jewish books. I mean, so much going on. In fact, I was given a list yesterday of uh, different people that are going to be joining us at different times, and it seems like you have a lot of authors coming up, so... Uh, uh, all right, so Torah at City Field. Not everybody associates Torah with City Field, Mr. Alan Fagan. Uh, you know, uh, we sometimes um, associate sports teams and sports activities with City Field. In this case, on January the 15th, it will in fact be Torah at City Field. The Orthodox Union and the host of today's most inspirational voices will be uh, together for an unprecedented day of Torah. There will be sessions on Torah, Halacha, Hashkafa, and Eretz Yisrael available throughout the entire day. With a whole variety of topics. It's January 15th. We're talking about five weeks from now. So there will be plenty for people to read about this and hear about this as we get closer and closer. It happens at City Field. You're doing this all day. It's like a 10-hour affair. Seriously. This, is, this will be a full day. Right. Starting at 8.45 in the morning. There will be free parking. That's one thing we do know about City Field. There's a lot of parking. Uh, there will be free parking and lunch available for people for purchase. And there's an early bird registration if you do this before December the 16th. Uh, go to ou.org slash city. That's spelled C-I-T-I. That's ou.org slash city. And this is what you're referring to when you say a different type of convention, right? Absolutely. We've never done this before. Uh, and we're very, very excited uh, about what can only be characterized as an all-star lineup of extraordinary Torah personalities uh, for the entire, uh, the entire day. The first thing I should stress, though, uh, is that it's Torah... Indoors at City right. Field. Oh, good point. In January. Good right. point. We've had a number of comments asking right. uh, about whether we're going to be providing mittens and foot warmers. This is this is an indoor program. We've got the whole uh, clubhouse uh, area. Uh, yeah, I've been City to Field. dinners at City Field, and it really works well. For people who are wondering, you know, how can you do indoors at City Field and run a nice event, it really works well over there. So Very, very well. It's a terrific venue. Uh, there's plenty of parking. It's right. convenient. Uh, yeah, to really. All of our all of our communities. Uh, we also uh, will have to make this uh, even more convenient. Uh, we will have childcare arrangements. Uh, we'll have uh, childcare available uh, during the course of the day uh, for the little kids, uh, for the older kids, 
Uh, we will have a trip uh, to the uh, Science Museum, next which door. is just next door to right. City Field. We will arrange uh, the transportation. We'll have buses going back and forth. Oh, you're taking this very seriously. We're taking this seriously. We don't, we don't want anyone who wants to spend the day learning Torah to say, I can't because I don't know what to do with the kids. We'll have plenty of opportunity uh, uh, to be able to deal with, uh, uh, with child care, uh, plenty of parking, uh, and it's going to be a, a fantastic uh, program. Uh, from the very beginning of the day, uh, which will start uh, with Dafyomi uh, Shiurim, uh, given by two of the superstars of uh, the Dafyomi world, Rabbi Moshe Elephant uh, and uh, Rabbi Shalom Rosner. Uh, Rabbi Rosner will be in from Israel. Nice. Uh, so we'll start the day uh, that way. And as you indicated during the course of the day, we've divided the program uh, into four basic uh, segments uh, running in parallel uh, each hour uh, so that you'll have your choice of shiurim during the course of the day. We'll have a halacha track, a hashkafa track, uh, a track on Tanakh, uh, and a track on Israel, and interspersed throughout the day uh, various uh, plenary sessions with really outstanding uh, personalities and shiurim. The OU has announced that speakers that day on January the 15th will include Rabbi David Lau, Rabbi Herschel Schachter, Rabbi Jonasen Sachs, Rabbi Tzvi Hirsch Weinrib, Rabbi Aaron Lopiansky, Rabbi Yosef Tzvi Rimon, Mrs. Rookie Billet, Rabbi Moshe Weinberger, Mrs. Shira Smiles, Rabbi Yochanan Zweig, Mrs. Minna Glick, and many more. And we should, uh, for those who didn't realize, point out that there'll be a variety of people coming in from Israel. This is not just one, but there'll be a, a bunch of people coming in from Israel to address the crowd that day. Absolutely. We, we have some extraordinary people coming in uh, uh, from Israel. Uh, some of the shiurim uh, will be uh, for men, some for women, uh, others for men and women. Uh, so there's really something here for everyone. Uh, in any given hour, there will be at least four choices of uh, shiurim. Uh, and some really outstanding uh, plenary sessions by some of the greatest Torah personalities of our generation. You could save by going to early bird registration right now at uh, ou.org slash city. Again, that's ou.org slash c-i-t-i. This is America's one and only Jewish Moments in the Morning Radio program. Heard on listener-sponsored digital radio. Heard exclusively around the world, com, the NSN network, and of course, the NSN app. Alan Fagan is here, Executive Vice President at the OU, as we discuss the event on January the 15th and many other issues. I was handed the Impact Report 2016 of the Orthodox Union. This is one impressive book, to say the least. And it goes through, I mean, frankly, you know, we'd be here all day if we went through every single department uh, that you're proud of and that the OU is uh, is concentrating on. Uh, could you give us some highlights? Could you give us a uh, a little bit of an overview of what people who would see this uh, impact report would be watching, would be looking at? Sure. Uh, what, what we tried to do in this report, uh, which is brand new for us, we've never uh, done this before, uh, we tried to accomplish a couple of things. Uh, one was to see if we could put between two covers uh, uh, a summary of all of the programs that the OU runs. Uh, there are so many people out there uh, who think of the OU in fairly unidimensional terms? Right. Uh, for Some, sometimes, fairly enough, you know, like and, and fair and, right. and, and fairly in fairness, enough. Rather, in, right. in all fairness, <laughs> right. uh, we have we have not done uh, the kind of job that we really need to do uh, to publicize the, the the breadth and the array of our uh, programming. Uh, 
so many, many people think of the OU uh, when they shop and look for the OU symbol on kosher products. Obviously, that is a uh, an iconic uh, brand, uh, and uh, many, many people associate the OU with kashras and don't realize uh, a lot of the other things uh, that we do. Right. Uh, many people who know NCSY well think of NCSY without realizing uh, that we also run OU Israel. Uh, there are people who know Yachad well. Uh, uh, many that don't associate Yachad with the OU, uh, but they'll, they'll know Yachad without realizing what we do in the area of synagogue services. Right. There are shul members who know what we do in the area of synagogue services but don't realize that we are the fourth largest birthright provider in the United States, that we run an extraordinary uh, birthright program. Last year we took uh, in excess of 50 buses uh, of young men and women uh, to Israel on the birthright program, and then we do extraordinary follow-up uh, with them uh, when they return. And it's been such a while since we've even discussed that on the air, but it's one of the backbones at this point of the birthright organization, is the OU and what the OU does. Absolutely. Uh, n- not only a backbone of the birthright program itself, but I think it's fair to say uh, that at the moment we probably have the most sophisticated and robust follow-up program uh, for birthright alumni. We have a terrific program called Bring Israel Home. Right. Uh, that has really caught on uh, among large segments of the of the birthright uh, participant population. Uh, the program encourages uh, young people who return from birthright to engage in a whole array of Jewish-related activity uh, when they return. They earn points for engaging in that activity, and if they reach a certain point level, then we bring back to the United States, the Chayalim and Chayalot who were with them on their birthright bus in Israel, we bring them to the States uh, and we do a reunion program for the bus together with the soldiers who accompanied them. It is an, a, an absolutely uh, spectacular This has happened program. already? We've done there, we've done already been soldiers here in the United States? Sure. Sure, we've done dozens and dozens of these programs and it's really catching on as a, as a new signature way to maintain the engagement. Look, Birthright is a, is a, a wonderful uh, uh, experience. Right. Um, but the impact of that experience will be lost if we don't continue to follow up with the participants uh, and build on the experience that they had, the, the really intense emotional experience that they have of visiting Israel, most of them for the first time. The, re- the key here uh, is to follow up with them when they return to their campuses return to their communities so that we maintain that sense of Jewish identification that they've developed uh, while they're on the birthright trip. <coughs> this is a great step uh, in, in that direction. We've been able to encourage many of these participants uh, to take on additional uh, Jewish learning. Uh, many of them uh, are now uh, uh, engaged in Partners in Torah. Wow. Uh, and other kinds of uh, learning opportunities that we provide for them. So we take the follow-up very, very, very seriously. That's not your program yet, Partners in Torah, is it? No. It's not. Um, but we do partner with Partners yeah, of in Yeah, of course. Torah. That's the whole point of the whole birthright thing. A lot of organizations would shy away from partnering with somebody else or sharing credit, et cetera, et cetera. You've gone ahead and, and jumped at the opportunity and look at the success. The, the, the sum is greater than the, uh, you know, than the 
sum of the two parts. What is it? It's, you know, you know what I'm trying to say. Indeed. <laughs> the, the, and, and these reunions that you described have happened outside the New York, New Jersey area also? Sure. I mean, they're happening, uh, they're happening in communities across the United States. That's pretty cool, I must say. And it now looks like we will get the funding uh, to be able to really uh, substantially expand uh, Bring Israel Home. It's a, it's a uh, very, very uh, innovative uh, yeah. I remember years ago when they were just speaking at the OU in, in its infancy regarding uh, what you now call Bring Israel Home, uh, you know, h- how to go about doing this, how to go about making it an effective program. That angle of bringing Israel and the soldiers here is absolutely brilliant. Alan Fagan's here. He's Executive Vice President, Chief Professional Officer at the OU. We mentioned the January 15th event. Obviously, we'll be talking plenty about that between now and the 15th of January. That happens at City Field. They're calling it Torah at City Field, uh, you spoke about birthright. You you sort of have mentioned uh, a bunch of different things that the OU is responsible for, uh, as we discussed the impact report of 2016. Uh, what else could you tell us that uh, that many of our listeners may not be aware of? Well, you know the other the other reason that we thought it important uh, to publish this uh, impact report. Who's it available to, by the way? Uh, anyone uh, who wants it uh, can just uh, drop us a note, and Simple we will send it to them. It's it's gone out uh, together with Jewish Action. So it's now uh, in fifty to 60,000 homes. Anybody who subscribes to Jewish Action receive this in the last this issue. at the same time. Okay. Correct. So it's, it's out there in fifty to 60,000 homes right. uh, that receive Jewish Action. But if you send us uh, a note, uh, we'd be delighted uh, to send you a copy. Okay. The, the other thing that we tried to accomplish here uh, was to provide some real transparency uh, on how it is that we fund each of our programs. Um, there's a common perception out there, I meet it constantly, uh, that all of our programs are paid for 100% by the revenues that we derive from our Kashra's supervision. Nothing could be further from the truth. Uh, And so we wanted to make that absolutely clear in a very, very transparent way. So uh, each of our programs uh, has financial information Mm -hmm. uh, in this report uh, that makes pretty clear uh, that the bulk of the support for all of our programs uh, is coming from sources uh, other than Kashras. As an example, by the way, people know that the uh, the Yachad organization is one of your crown jewels. You have an entire breakdown of all the different places between tuition and fundraising, which is 20% of the entire uh, budget, uh, government support, which is probably not as large as people think. Again, another misconception. The OU's contribution, again, not as large as you say, as people might think, and in-kind contributions that are uh, uh, given as well. And it's a very large, but I mean, you know, the Yachad organization obviously sure. it takes a lot of money to run Yachad in the millions of dollars, and there people can see exactly how the money is uh, is designated and uh, how it's spent. You have an expense report essentially also on the same page. Precisely, so. and that's true for each one of right. our programs as you go through the book. All right, so it's our opportunity to uh, support and to um, and to uh, applaud uh, the, all these different programs that you're mentioning. We should we should give a special shout out to all the campuses because JLIC at this point has grown tremendously, right? Tremendously. The number of campuses is uh, much more than, than the last time we spoke. I'm sure. When when I first uh, started uh, as a as a lay leader at the OU, uh, JLIC was on three campuses. Uh, <laughs> we're now on uh, 23. Uh, and we're talking uh, about adding uh, uh, several additional campuses in the next year or two. And if we'd speak to some of those students, which I'm sure you have, knowing you, uh, they would say what about their JLIC couples, about the families that are leading these campuses? In what way have they enhanced the students' lives? I, I think 
what they probably would point to uh, more than anything else is two things. Uh, one is the creation of real infrastructure on our campuses that allow from kids to remain from. Minyanim, Eruv, dealing with my dorm key, all of those kinds of issues. Shabbos and Yantif. Supervising the kosher food program, right. having uh, minyanim available for Shabbos and Yantif, having meals available, all of that enormously important uh, to the life of those that choose uh, uh, to go to a secular campus. The other thing that they would point to, and I think here probably the most important, is the very intense personal relationships that develop between our educator couples and many of these kids. Um, I, I think that the most important uh, indicia of success, as far as I'm concerned, are the number of chasanas <laughs> where our, our educator uh, a couple, the rabbi right. uh, on a particular campus, has been Masada Kedushin, uh at weddings uh, for these kids. They develop an incredible relationship uh, 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 w- with the couples, uh, the young women uh, with, the, with the female educator, the young men with the male educator. Uh, it, it's a very, very intense personal relationship at a point in their lives when that kind of relationship and counseling, particularly outside of their communities and on a secular campus with all of the pressures that we all understand, uh, the role model uh, is so necessary mm-hmm. uh, for them, and the need to have someone to talk to, to answer their questions, uh, just to be there for them when they need that emotional support is just unbelievably important. Must make the parents a little calmer, no? I would think. Uh, I think it makes uh, uh, the parents a little bit, uh, a, a little bit calmer. You were shocked to hear that which campus wanted a JLIC couple. You were surprised to hear which I don't know what's the what was the most unlikely place of the twenty three and you said wow this is something that they are asking for a JLIC couple I didn't realize there was a Jewish population like that there or that they'd actually you know benefit from this type of program yeah so I, I think I think the one that's uh, surprised me uh, the most is Santa Monica Community College you're not serious in Los Angeles um, and it's a fascinating fascinating uh, story. Uh, uh, and I think it illustrates very, very well uh, the need to look in detail at every one of the communities that we service. Uh, so we already had a very, very large, very successful program um, uh, at uh, the University of California uh, in Los Angeles. Uh, Santa Monica Community College is a two-year college. Many of the kids that can't get into UCLA, or at least can't get in directly, they start there. They start at Santa Monica Community College and then move on uh, to UCLA. Right. Um, it is an enormously popular destination for large portions of the Persian community in Los Angeles. Uh, a community that uh, we, frankly, uh, had not been serving uh, well. We now have an educator couple uh, working with Santa Monica Community College from the community. Uh, it's basically a commuter school, so we have this couple, instead of living on campus, they're living in Westwood right. uh, and servicing that community uh, directly on campus during the week, 
in their community uh, on Shabbos. It's become an enormously uh, successful program. Pretty amazing. And I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you if there's any uh, OU products that have become kosher recently that caught you by surprise. <laughs> <laughs> Why talk about Jewish education on campus when we can talk about the latest things that have gotten the OU? But there's nothing shocking in that area these days, huh? <laughs> uh, nothing more shocking than medical marijuana. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Wasn't that a whole big thing about their hashgacha? <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, Impact Report is available to you. Those of you who subscribe to Jewish Action, as uh, Alan said, probably the majority of this audience gets it. Um, uh, you can see it. It's called Torah Tradition and Continuity, Dreaming Big for the Jewish Future. And as I mentioned as we started this conversation, uh, the OU is led by people, and it seems they've always been led by people who are very forward-thinking and understand uh, what's going to be happening in this 21st century. Uh, you can see their impact report, either if you're a Jewish Action subscriber or feel free to contact the OU through any of the methods of contact, and they'll be more than happy to send it to you. I also call your attention to January the 15th and encourage you to circle your calendar, whatever we do digitally these days with our calendars. It's Torah at City Field. The OU is actually using this day for their official convention. The convention co-chairs are Mr. Steven Savitsky and Dr. Shimmy Tenenbaum, and you are invited to join them as the OU and a host of today's most inspirational voices have an unprecedented day of Torah at City Field, not on the field and not outdoors. Indoors in the beautiful City Field uh, facility. I have been there for events. It is conducive, I would say beyond conducive, uh, for this type of uh, activity. It starts at 8.45 in the morning on January the 15th at City Field in Queens. There's free parking. There's lunch available for purchase. There's an early bird registration, which means if you register online before December the 16th, you can get the least expensive uh, fee possible, and that's by registering now at ou.org slash city ou.org slash c-i-t-i. We went through the roster of speakers that uh, are going to be included. Uh, many others will be there as well. And if you look at the back of this, and I'm not even going to start with this. Maybe I'll do this You know, when we announce the events as we get closer. I'll do some of these. If you look at some of these topics, they're intriguing topics. I mean, you're not going with the... You know, with the traditional shiurim, you're going with, with things that are really interesting to people in 21st century America. Yeah, so, some of these topics are really uh, extraordinary. I'll give you my personal yeah, uh, my personal favorite. We've got Rav Gidon Weitzman, yeah. who is uh, the director of the Pua Institute for Fertility and Medicine, uh, talking about the halachic implications of edited embryos. That is, can you, in effect, create your own child, create the gender of your child uh, by the manipulation of uh, uh, genetic material and all of the halachic implications of that. That's one that I absolutely will not miss. Life is getting complicated, huh? You bet. Reflected by a lot of these topics, by the way. Absolutely. But you don't shy away. You and your organization don't shy away from discussing these topics. You you jump right in and delve into them. We, we don't shy away, and we think that, that it's enormously important not only to discuss uh, contemporary issues like this, but I think it shows the the vibrancy of Torah and Torah study, and that there are uh, subjects that will be of interest uh, to uh, uh, selected audiences and subjects that will be of interest uh, to virtually uh, everyone. Uh, I will start uh, the program when we finish uh, Dafyomi uh, in dialogue uh, with Rav Lau, uh, wow. the chief rabbi. We will talk about some very serious subjects, uh, including uh, conversion issues, uh, in Israel, 
the controversy at the Kotel and uh, and so on. How so, appropriate that the day essentially starts. I know after Dafiomi, the day essentially starts with this, you know, U.S. Israel thinking what's happening 6,000 miles away, you know, for us, it's a very important thing. Correct, and, and we're very, very grateful that uh, Rav Lau will be with us uh, and that he's agreed to uh, uh, engage in this uh, conversation. And I think he feels strongly that uh, uh, with all of the controversy that has surrounded a number of these issues, uh, this is an opportunity for uh, for him mm-hmm. uh, to explain uh, his own uh, positions. Let's hope the Israeli media doesn't show up so he can really speak freely. <laughs> Let's hope. Alan Fagan, uh, the, OU, uh, the OU gets ready for January 15th with Torah at City Field. You can register now, pre-registration, early bird at uh, ou.org slash city, ou.org slash city. Congratulations on the impact report on your amazing tenure so far. I thank you again. Uh, you've made a commitment to stand by us as we grow here, and we've made a commitment to stand by you and the OU as it continues to grow. It's extremely impressive what's happening out of your offices, and I thank you for joining me. Thank you, Nachum. It's so great to be in this new uh, (laughs) facility, uh, and we wish you all the very, very best. You are so important to our community and really delighted uh, uh, to see you uh, starting the next and wonderful chapter in your enormous service to Kalal Yisrael. I greatly appreciate that. And like I said earlier, uh, based on what happened 34 years ago, it is appropriate that the OU has reacted with such great positive feelings, and I thank you for that. Alan Fagan, uh, everybody out there, circle January 15th. We'll talk plenty more about it as we get closer and closer. That was my conversation with Alan Fagan, CEO of the OU, his recent visit to uh, JM and the AM and the Nahum Siegel Network. Studios. We are going to wrap things up with a nice musical selection as we close out this hour of JM Rewind for this week. And I remind you, make sure to install the NSN Nahum Siegel Network app and tell your friends to do the same. And keep on listening to the Nahum Siegel Network. Oh, 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 oh,
Yeah.